Hello, and welcome to Dice Don't Die, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Dice Don't Die's Deep Dive. Tonight, we're diving back into class discussions. So... Grab your pencils, character sheets, and Pokeballs. We're talking about the Summoner. I'm Chad, and tonight I'm talking with Beth. Hello! David. Heyo! And Sarah. Howdy! And without further ado, take it away, Beth. Okay, so first, I want to put out a pronunciation warning. Hmm, yeah. Because English is... Wow, I can't even say the word English. English is fluid. (laughs) I think the actual way you pronounce this word is Edolon. Or, no, 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 Edolin. I think it is pronounced Edolin. I've never called it that, literally ever. I've always called it an Edolon. About what I was going to go with. Yeah, some people call it an Edelon. I've heard a couple of different pronunciations. However you want to say it is fine. And if you want to come at me at Twitter and be like, Beth, you pronounced this wrong. It's at Faye the GM. Faye underscore the underscore GM on Twitter. And you can come at me and that's fine. Uh, but I'm going to say um, Edelon and you can say Edolin and we'll meet somewhere in the middle. I kind of want to take it as a personal challenge now and like come up with 20 different pronunciations of it throughout the entire recording. So just every time you say the word? Edelon, Edelon, Odelon. Hmm. I'm eventually just going to start saying other words. Like That's what I've done with, with saying pandemic, is now I no longer refer to it as the pandemic. Sometimes it's a Panera, sometimes it's a Panini, <laughs> sometimes it's a Panorama. You really just, like, pick a a P word and go with it. I love that. It's true. Fun fact, a lot of people on YouTube started doing that because of community guidelines, or they'd get demonetized. (laughs) Like, oh, you say endemic, you lose all your funding now. YouTube's like, (laughs) Seriously. Yeesh. Yeah. Luckily... We do this as a hobby, and so we don't care. (laughs) We don't get paid for this. We can say whatever we want. Exactly. And yet, we don't use the explicit tag, and I'm only allowed to use one curse word per episode. Nobody told me that limit, so, uh, oops. (laughs) All right, so let's actually talk about the summoner now. Uh, And we'll we'll talk what uh, Edelon is later, uh, but for right now... What is the fantasy of playing that class, right? We always start there. And with Summoner, that is one of the easiest and yet hardest questions to answer. At least for me, it was. uh, Because it's your magical pet class. Literally in every video game, especially MMOs, uh, there's a pet class, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's directions and like giving your pets command but it it's more than just like a hunter 
uh, I say hunter because I'm talking about World of Warcraft, uh, but I meant ranger. Nerd. <laughs> oh, geez. It, it's more than just a ranger and directing your animal companion, right? Or druid, your animal companion. And we're going to go into what those differences are. But even in any summoner that we've played or that we've talked about in Pathfinder, it's more than that. Because your summoner, or excuse me, your summon is more powerful than an animal companion. It's more powerful than a standard summon. And so what you end up getting is a beefy boy where you're... It it sounded like you were pausing for a joke and no one laughed. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, yes. I thought you were waiting for a setup from somebody, and I just did not have it. Sorry, it's just like it's a beefy boy. (laughs) Uh, There we go. I got seven layer beefy burrito. All right. Anyway, um, this is your, as we said in the intro, your Pokemon catcher. This is your. uh, I used a reference of Monster Rancher. But nobody else got that. So if you remember the 90s cartoon Monster Rancher or the, I think, still 90s video games, hit me up. This is your class. This is more than just a pet, right? This is more than just an animal companion. This is something that is literally tied to your being, which kind of cool. Kind of a big deal. So that's that's my, or at least how I've kind of interpreted the fantasy of playing this class. What do you guys think? Uh, I would like to say that sort of along the same lines as you, like, I do imagine it as something that's like, you know, they're not just a pet. It's there's something more and there's there's something sort of intrinsically linking you together um, that sort of transcends the the connection and. I just think it's really cool. I've always I've always thought it'd be really cool to be able to like summon stuff. I just think it's neat. You have an intrinsic best friend. Yeah. Who I can summon out of thin air, you know? Like it's a it's a cool deal. Yeah, I think so. Uh but we'll talk more about opinions later. Now, I will say in the last few times we've done a class episode, I've talked about the Pathfinder 1 version sort of after we've talked about the Pathfinder 2 to sort of add additional context. But this time, there were a lot of creative liberties, shall we say, uh, taken. <laughs> I say creative liberties. We're talking about literally people who created this game. <laughs> like, they get to do whatever they want. <laughs> It's their creation, <laughs> Beth. Let them do what they want. Right, exactly. But uh, it is, in my opinion, a, not very different, but it's a pretty different approach to the Summoner than the Pathfinder 1. So Pathfinder 1 Summoner, you had the base Summoner, and then later they did come out with uh, the Unchained versions, which recently got me thinking while I was looking at the Summoner and the Summoner Unchained, Unchained uh, from Pathfinder 1. The Unchained classes were kind of a re-imagining of some of those classes uh, as a little more streamlined 
and not quite as complicated. And I'm now kind of wondering if they're going to come out with unchained versions of other classes for Pathfinder 2. Kind of interested to see how they take that. That's a discussion for another day. Well, I mean, ideally, wouldn't those versions come out years and years later after people have found these to be too clunky? Like, would, wouldn't these versions just be Unchained 2? So one of the things that I was thinking about, uh, one of the classes that I would like to see is a Sorcerer. Because I don't actually, I'm not a huge fan of the Sorcerer in Pathfinder 2. <sighs> That's more complicated. My opinions are complicated when it comes to the Pathfinder 2 Sorcerer. Mostly, I think that you're better off playing a wizard. Yes. Which may be an unpopular opinion, I know. And I know you can pick your own tradition, right? So you can be a, a divine sorcerer, which is really cool. And especially, you know, going back and listening to our deep dive on it, it is really cool. But I don't think you get enough other cool stuff to make it worth it. And that actually is going to lead into directly the summoner, because guess what this is, guys? This is another pick your own adventure. I mean, tradition class. This is this is another you get a lot of cool stuff class. (laughs) You do get a lot of stuff, but also you get to be, if you want to, a divine summoner. Ooh. And I don't know if any of you remember one of the early YouTube videos of uh, like 2001 Angel Summoner and BMX Bandit. Nobody? No. I don't get that one, I'm sorry. Beth, you know I'm terminally online, but I'm not going to mention how old I was in 2001. Okay. You love to do that, though. In in the description of this episode, I will link a video to Angel Summoner and BMX Bandit. And I... I'm going to make you all watch it after we're done recording. Okay. But I just, don't know if I need to be excited or not. <laughs> it's pretty... It was off of a... I think it was a British uh, sketch comedy show. Uh, it was a bit that they did. Um, and Angel Summoner is obviously the best. <laughs> and looks like Gandalf. And uh, yeah, like you, in, in Pathfinder 2, you could be an angel or uh, a divine summoner. But in Pathfinder 1, no, you were an arcane caster. However, you were what was at the time called a full caster, right? You had the same kind of casting capabilities as a sorcerer, which, very cool. But they're still very different classes. So there was a focus on summoning, not just your Edelon, but uh, summon monster, right? We don't have the spell summon monster anymore. We have summon specific creatures. And then those can be heightened to summon other specific creatures. Or like summon giant. And then it can be heightened to summon cooler giants. <laughs> right? Like that's what we have that's now. The technical but name. We... Right. Level three, summon lame giant. Level seven. <laughs> Summon okay giant. Right. And we didn't have uh the minion. Well, we didn't have traits at all in Pathfinder 1, 
uh, but we didn't have the minion trait, which the minion trait for summoned creatures means that a creature with that trait doesn't get reactions. It can't act when it's not your turn, which is very similar to a reaction. Uh, and only gets two actions per turn. So because the action economy changed from Pathfinder 1 to Pathfinder 2, that style of summoner that was in Pathfinder 1 can't exist anymore. Oh, you also have to... You didn't have to sustain it. You know, summoned monsters were a little more powerful. And there was a strategy in Pathfinder 1 of just get as many things on the board as you possibly can so that you have the most actions, right? Because again, the action economy was different. And it doesn't work like that. So that's kind of interesting to see, okay, well, already we have taken a step back from how powerful summons used to be. And therefore, the summoner, as a core construct, has to change. So, it's kind of, you know, whenever you're comparing Pathfinder 1 to Pathfinder 2, it's kind of important to say, yes, it's technically apples to apples, but it's really your crab apples up against, like, Fiji apples. This is a terrible analogy that has gotten. Yeah, away. you didn't even go with Honeycrisp. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, no, that's uh, that's fair. You have to have a higher level spell to summon the Honeycrisp. Obviously, it's and it's summon Honeycrisp, or is it summon Apple and then a summon Honeycrisp is the level ten version of that. Yeah, I was gonna say it's actually a level ten, so you can't you can't we'll summon get there. it. Level one is like summon red delicious, but yeah, it, one of those words is accurate about half the time. Yep. All right, this has definitely got away from us. Also, this is now a podcast about apples. This has been David's apple corner. I really wasn't expecting you to know so much about apples. I have opinions, Beth. <laughs> I I can tell. The amount of times that I've had to explain what a baking apple is to people, very high. A baking apple. Isn't it a harder? Incredible. Apple? What? Isn't it like a, a harder, more dense apple? Well, I mean no, that's why you use Granny Smith. It's actually the opposite. Softer. So you use softer apples. So eating apples are are meant to be exactly that. They're meant to be eaten like by themselves. That's why honey crisps were invented, right? They're very flavorful. They're crisp. You know, very delightful to bite into. Right. Baking mm. apples are a little bit more mushy. They bake down, so you have like soft apple things. So that's what you put in apple pies. So they're like Macintosh or Jonathan's. Um, and it's almost now, since a lot of people don't know the distinction between them, that's why a lot of like people's pie recipes don't work out or you have to adjust baking times or stuff like that because people are like, well, Honeycrisp apples are certainly meant to go in literally everything that's ever existed. 
why didn't these not. cook down? And you're like, because it's not the right kind of, a- and you never mind. So anyway. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's uh, more than I ever needed to know about apples. And that's this week's episode of the Apple Actually, Podcast. Thank you I have for another, tuning in. I have another fun apple fact. Did you know that apple seeds uh, won't get you the kind of apple that the seeds came from? That's actually fascinating. Well, it doesn't that have to do with grafting? Yeah, so that's why you have to graft trees to get an entire orchard. Yeah. Because if you just let the trees propagate naturally, it'll turn into different types of apples. But also that's like, I think, a survival mechanism. Because if you have all of the same type of trees, they're all susceptible to the same type of diseases. Hmm. So we've circumvented nature. Sorry, we're still talking about apples. <laughs> if you have hit the 30 second button on your podcast app nope we're still talking about apples still talking about apples okay no 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 we have to get back on track because literally my no- notes for this episode are very long so anyway min- minion trait when things have the minion trait you have to command it when you command something that means you are using one of your actions to give the command cr- creature two actions. So you're like, hey, Spot, go bite that monster. And Spot's like, yeah, boy. And he runs up, he bites the monster. That's two actions, right? Because he runs, mm-hmm. he bites. Mm-hmm. Or he bites twice if he's already next to the creature. So summoned monsters or creatures have the minion trait so that's why it doesn't work the same that's why pathfinder one was summon all the monsters all the time there was actually like a old forum post like 2011 that was like why everyone should play a wizard all the time and it was because you could just summon a tank And when they were designing Pathfinder 2, part of the design process was, okay, well, we don't necessarily want that to be the case anymore. Let's rein in summoning. And this is how they determined, okay, this is how we're going to rein in summoning. Now, I will say, when you first summon a creature, it automatically does get two actions. Uh, But that is because it takes three actions to summon a single creature. Now in Pathfinder 1, you had to wait a full round. So casting a spell cost you a whole round. Uh, although, again, summoners got an ability to make that better because they were the best at summoning creatures. Uh, but that still, you know, took a while. And so what that meant was, at best, you had top initiative, which means that everybody else, like you lose your flat footing status, uh, everybody else has taken an action before you can summon a creature. And it doesn't matter if you use a surprise round because it takes a full round action to do. And a surprise round in Pathfinder 1, remember, we don't have surprise rounds in Pathfinder 2, uh, you get a single uh, move or standard action. So you can't summon a creature. It, It... uh, that was kind of the downside to it then. And now the downside is, well, yeah, it takes all three of your actions, 
but at the end of your turn, the summoned creature gets to act. Not at the end of the round, but at the end of your turn. In Pathfinder 1, they also had less HP. There's a reason for that that we'll be going over here in a bit. Uh, and additionally, like I mentioned earlier, you were a summoner, so summoning monster, uh, all the summon monster spells you eventually got as spell-like abilities. We don't have spell-like abilities in Pathfinder 2, but spell-like abilities were spell-like in that they behaved the same, but they didn't take spell slots. What? What? Exactly. So, you could cast Summon Monster 3 plus your Charisma modifier, which, as a primary caster, is always going to be maxed out to your absolute limit. Uh, So, you know, as you leveled, that's going to increase. That's how many times you could cast it. And that was separate from, again, your full spellcasting abilities. Now, you were a spontaneous caster, you still are, in Pathfinder 2. So, you know, you didn't have the same prepared caster options as, say, a wizard. But still, you had quite a few spells at your disposal. Because you were a full caster, and you got to summon a bunch of monsters. Yeah, hot damn. Mm, Sorry, warm dang. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that I like that any better. (laughs) I forgot I wasn't supposed to be swearing. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. So when we're talking about, you know, Pathfinder 1 versus Pathfinder 2. Sorry, I just, my editor just corrected me. They were not full casters. They were apparently what we're called three-fourth casters or six-level casters. You just round it up. It's fine. Yeah, I know. My editor needs to keep it to the peanut gallery editor. Actually, no, I appreciate my editor, a.k.a. my husband. Um, He's absolutely right, they were. But anyway, moving on, this is a Pathfinder 2 podcast. So, we need to talk about the Pathfinder 2 version. Already, there was a lot of hype when the summoner was announced, and during the playtest and all of that. We knew that the summoner was going to look different. And we've talked about this when we were talk we talked about the play test, how they introduced something called wave casting. And we're gonna go into that once we get into the spell casting stuff. So just understand that they have spell casting, but it looks different than say the sorcerer or the wizard. So three things that we need to talk about first. There are three new traits or terms that are used throughout the summoner that we need to talk about for context. And that's Edelon, which I've already mentioned a couple of times, which is like your special summoned creature, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Evolution and Tandem. So Evolution is a new trait that essentially means this applies to your Edelon. It does not apply to you. And it changes their behavior in some functional way, like giving them wings and now they can fly. And then tandem is really freaking cool and messes with the three action economy. So tandem actions 
and abilities can be done at the same time. So if something has the tandem trait, it'll usually say, you take this action and your Edelon takes this second action, usually a strike. So you cast a spell and he strikes. Or she, or they. Of course. And that is like, you know, a full action or two actions versus a full three. Uh, we'll, we'll be going into more about what tandem, like what tandem can do, uh, in a bit, but I kind of wanted to explain those terms because they're new. Like they are things that only apply to the summoner. So kind of new concepts, which brings me to, I think my second sidebar (laughs) so far, there's a couple of like rules reminders in this one the summer's complicated guys but the first one is when i plan these episodes uh i always pull up the book first and read the summoner all the way through right and i read all the classes all the way through in the book that they were published then when i start doing (laughs) oh so much reading Oh, man, I I would never do that. Ooh, all right. Well, back to this. (laughs) You're the worst. Uh, (laughs) Yes, and and just to let all of you know, I can, in fact, read. Uh, (laughs) So then when I start making my notes and, you know, going through for the episode, I usually take a shortcut through Archives of Nethys, right? Everything is conveniently linked, uh, so I can just open half a million tabs and, you know, kind of look like a grandma because Chrome is going to move so slow. But it allows me to have everything in one place and I can write notes and everything. When we're talking about these traits, right? The Edelon, Evolution, and Tandem. In the book, that sidebar that explained those traits wasn't even until like the third or fourth page of reading about the summoner. Where in Archives of Nethys, they're right up front, like right below the hit point counter. It, you, this is your key ability score. This is how many hit points you have. Here are your key terms. And I do think there is. It kind of goes back to our review of Secrets of Magic, right? That there were so many sidebars in that book that I think sometimes some of the meaning got a little bit lost in that. And this is one of those times where I think it would have benefited from having that specific note, not as a sidebar, but an actual section in the summoner description. Because those key terms, those traits, if you don't know what they are and you're already reading through some stuff, can be confusing. So I guess my sort of point here is when formatting these books, there's some things that I wish were more front and center versus... uh in a more like internet-based context where we just can link everything. Also, can we just get linked PDFs, please? 
where if you mention an Edelon, there is literally in the book, like the digital PDF, obviously, not in the physical book, but in the PDF, you can click on that word and it'll take you to that section. Please. I hate just asking for way too much. Hey, I, I've said it before and I will say it again. I will pay full book price for a PDF that is linked. Just saying. But maybe I am asking for too much. Anyway. So HP is 10 plus constitution. And some of you more astute listeners out there may notice Hmm, that's kind of high, because, hey, David, how much does the wizard get? Not that! Nope, it's six. Yeah, I think it I, is six. Yeah. Uh, actually, it is the highest of any caster, uh, except for the Magus, but, again, any, any caster before it. Actually, no, it's higher than the Magus, too. So, why is it so high? Might be saying, wow, that's a lot of hit points. Especially, like, you're going to put at least a 14 in your constitution, right? So that's at least 12 hit points every single level. Uh, Pretty good. You've got a uh, sort of animal companion there, which is sort of acting like a tank for you. Exactly, Chad. That is why you get so many hit points. Because your hit points are shared. So, your... Edelon, who's up in the middle of the battle, flanking with your fighter, taking hits, is linked to you. And in fact, that link, uh, in the rules, it actually says this. There is a, a sigil uh, that is shared between you and your companion, where it makes it obvious that you two are in tandem, right? So you're always working together. So intelligent enemies can actually tell that you two are connected, which will make for some interesting fights for a GM that uh, kind of picks up on that. Uh, hey, wait a second. You're wearing the same jacket as that dragon. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> I think you guys share a hit point pool, and I'm going to murder you instead of your dragon now. <laughs> Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> absolutely. That's how I feel. No, I just think that uh, there could be some times where you fight an enemy where that comes up, right? Absolutely. Not always, because that would get annoying quick. But uh, definitely something that a smart GM could take advantage of. But anyway, the reason that they are the caster with the absolute most hit points is because it is shared. Which means... When you trip over and fall on a rock, your Edelon feels it. Oh, oh no. I gotta stop it also, being clumsy. Yeah. It also makes damage, uh, area of effect damage, work differently, actually. So, uh, and we'll talk about, again, the thing with the summoner is action economy. So you're going to hear me say that all a bunch this episode. So just FYI. Uh, but say you have Fireball goes off on top of both you and your Edelon. 
and you both fail your save. You would actually only take the highest amount of damage. So, you know, rolling your damage, Edelon takes 15, you take 20. No, you would just take 20. So that's how they've sort of compensated for the fact that you have a shared hit point pool is, well, you don't take multiple damage from AoE. And there's actually a feat you can take so that it's the lower of the, of the amount. So say your Edelon saves and you don't, you would take the less of the damage, the half. Kind of cool. As mentioned, they are charisma casters. So charisma is going to be your primary stat. Uh, you'll notice I haven't talked about a tradition yet, and that's because you get to pick it when you pick your type of Edelon. Saving throws are not shared, but they are the same level. So you're expert in fortitude, trained in reflex, expert in will, and so is your Edelon. Now, as you level up, those do change, right? So you have something called shared reflexes. So whenever you get a shared ref reflexes, both you and your Edelon then become expert. Now, armor, uh, like other proficiencies, don't always work that way. Uh, so that's why I kind of wanted to uh, mention it with saving throws. It's kind of weird that they're not shared, but it has to do with item economy. And uh, a sidebar we're going to be going over here in a little bit called invested items. Um, let's see what else. Oh, so skills are shared. So all of your proficiencies, which is three plus intelligence modifier. So a moderate amount. It's not a small, but it's also nothing to... Nothing to write home about. Uh, not like the rogue or something. Uh, those are shared. So if... And, and your perception modifier is shared as well. So... Uh, if your Edelon is closer to something and able to perceive something you can't, it uses the same modifier. And that brings us down all the way to the class features. I've mentioned the Edelon quite a bit so far. We're going to be going over a lot more of their features a little bit later. But I do want to just give a couple of breakdowns. Um, again, you get to choose your tradition. So there are certain ones, and we'll be going over what ones those are, that are... Arcane, Primal, Divine, and Occult. If it ever comes up, and there are feats and things that you can, like, sacrifice your uh, Edelon to take less damage, or, you know, say you're, you get knocked unconscious, your Edelon dissummons. It manifesting that uh, Edelon will take three actions. So just like those spells of summon, you know, whatever creature. So that's your primary feature within the class. That's what 
I mean, honestly, when you're playing the summoner, that's why you're playing the summoner. Mm -hmm. Because you want the cool pets. But there are a few things that the summoner itself gets. So, again, we're going to come back to that, Alon. We're going to talk about... uh, Actually, we're going to talk about action economy again. So, as I've mentioned quite a few times now, action economy for the summoner works a little bit differently. Your Edelon does not have the minion traits, which means you don't have to direct them. They are linked to you, right? They know what you want of them. And you can actually do something called act together, which has the tandem trait. And what this does is essentially gives you an extra action to play with. So say you cast a two-action spell. By acting together, you your Edelon could then have a strike for free. So then you would have an extra action to do to move or to uh, have your Edelon move, what, whatever it might be. So you would get two, one for free, and then an additional one. That makes sense? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I was really hoping that you were going to say that uh, the act together meant that you and uh, your Edelon get to put on a little play together. Yeah, you guys uh, perform Shakespeare in the Park. Yeah, you've got like a little skit put together and everybody has to stop and watch you. Mm -hmm. For sure. No, that's not what that means. Uh, so the reason that I'm explaining that it, it feels like, oh, you just have four actions instead of two. Wrong. And here's why that it, it is an important distinction. You could have two, one, one, right? Two actions, one free, one extra. You could have your summoner use three actions and get a free one for your Edelon. But you yourself could never use all four actions. One of them has to be done, at least, by your Edelon. Additionally, you can't both cast a two-action spell. Because the act-together action is one to three actions. So I know this is this sounds convoluted, uh, and we'll talk about how Edelons don't really get access to normal spellcasting anyway. Uh, it really only comes up if you take a feed or if you pick the Fey uh, Edelon that they can cast spell spells essentially. But it's an important distinction, especially if you're going to be playing a summoner, to understand it's not an extra action it is a special action because if you think of it as four actions it actually is more flexible than it really is because you have to use this act together now saying that as a gm i would never require my player to always say i'm using the act together action to do this and this i'm not going to do that that's in that voice. You have to say <laughs> it in the voice. 
I'm not saying it. I'm definitely not saying it in the voice. No, it's required. You just made no. this a rule. No, absolutely not. Uh, I'm not doing that. Uh, because that is finicky. Now, if you're the type of GM who wants to know that, you know what? More power to you. But I am... I would consider that micromanaging. And you guys know that is not the type of GM that I am. Beth looked at this rule and went, ah, I'm built different. <laughs> I mean, yes, but also no. Like, I wouldn't, I would not house rule it and say, oh, you just get an extra action. Because that is really powerful. I wouldn't say really powerful. I just don't know all of the repercussions of doing that. Mm-hmm. I'd have to, I'd have to play with that some more. But anyway, so just the the rule of the summoner is read the rules, <laughs> know, know what the base rule is, and then know how you break it. <laughs> uh, and that definitely, whenever it comes to the action economy, uh, definitely matters. So then, Again, those of you astute out there are like, well, what about the slowed condition or the stunned condition where you lose actions, right? That really stinks when you have a shared action pool. Well, no, because you only take the worst of the effect. So if you're both slowed one, you wouldn't lose two actions. You would only. You wouldn't lose two actions. You'd only lose one. But then say you're slowed two, but your Edelon is slowed one, you would take the worst of the effects unless you take that special feat. So again, the the kind of motif of the summoner is know what the rules are so you can break them. Uh, you get unarmored defense as well as your Edelon. So both you and your Edelon get an armored defense, and they level up at different times. So earlier I was talking about how shared reflexes, you guys level up your reflexes at the same time. Defense mastery is different. So at level 19, your Edelon gets unarmored defense mastery. You never get it. So they become uh, master. They never get legendary. Uh, They become master. Uh, you get stuck at defensive roles. Expert. There it is. Defensive robes at level 13, you become an expert. So, yeah. Very interesting stuff. Uh, we already talked about, uh, shared HP. Shared items. So this is where we need to talk about invested do you guys remember the invested rules um, i know i had to look them up <laughs> very foggy is it is it similar to 5e uh where and attuned items kind because of. i know those rules <laughs> <laughs> kind of so in D D. Uh, correct me if i'm wrong you might know better than me uh it increases as you level doesn't it Uh, It depends on what class you're playing. So, like, yes, but some classes have more attuned items available to them than others. Yeah, you guys know way more about D&D than I do. Uh, So, in Pathfinder 2, it's 10. You can have 10 
magical items that have the invested trait. I can tell you right now that as a GM, I am not going through your item list and saying, okay, that has the invested trait, that has the invested trait. Again, I'm not a micromanager. So I expect my uh, players to figure out their invested stuff, but honestly, I don't care. (laughs) I just... I'm I'm going to remember that. <laughs> like it's just never come up to be the point where it's like, well, you know what? You guys are just too powerful. No, I'm just going to increase the HP of the monsters if you're hitting it too hard. It's true. I've seen it happen before. <laughs> I'm just going to make different concessions like mm-hmm. You guys are the stars of your own story. I don't want to put too many limiting things on you, but it's personal opinion. If you all want to, rules as written, worry about invested stuff, go for it. It's just, for me, not a big deal. So I had to remind myself, oh, right, how many items could you have invested? Because here's the dealio uh, with Edelons. They don't share all of your items. So they only share two, and they can only, like, equip. So that's not really true. So they can't wear or use normal magic items They unless they have the Edelon trait. Edelon can have two items invested. However, your link to your Edelon means that it can benefit from certain items that you're wearing, like items that increase your perception skill or AC items. Additionally, if you have hand wraps of Mighty Blows and it has weapon runes on it, uh, if any of those runes are invested, it, it does actually take advantage of that. And the reason that I specifically say hand wraps of mighty blows is because Edelons only do unarmored attacks. So as a sum- as a summoner, you're going to need hand wraps to benefit to have your Edelon benefit from those. Okay. Seems like a small price to pay. I mean fair. Although if you have a weapon, like you can share those weapon properties. It's just it has to be able to apply to hand wraps as well. Like it has to, whatever properties you put on the weapon has to be able to be benefited from unarmed attacks because that is the only type of attack your Edelon is going to do. So uh, when I was thinking about the fantasy of a Edelon, uh, one of the things that I was thinking about is, do you guys ever watch the anime Ruby? R W no B Y no I the animation style puts me off. Mm-hmm. I was about to say that it gets better in season two. The animation gets better in season two. I like the story. I like it, but I also understand that it's not like the pinnacle of animation or anything. I do like it, but one of the main characters summons in the later oh, spoiler alert for this weird American style anime. She can summon this like ice creature and it swings like this giant sword. You can you can actually create something like that. But that giant sword 
is an unarmed attack. What? Yes. It doesn't do... <laughs> doesn't sl- make any sense. Like, I want to be able to summon monsters and then j- give them just the most incredibly overpowered weapons and watch all of my <laughs> opponents cower in fear. But no. Nope. You cannot do that. Uh, and And... The reason for that is, I think it's supposed to be like a balancing thing for that exact reason. Uh, Because, again, when we talk about the Edelon, we're talking about a a creature that you're constructing. This isn't just like you open up the monster manual and you pick out a boy. Uh, No, you're, you're actually creating this creature and you have to create those attacks. And the only ones you have available to you are unarmored attacks but your actual edelon can look like whatever type of edelon it is just cool beth what if i write the beast boy book myself is that allowed like can then can i open up the beast boy manual and just pick a pick a boy um no what she went through so much effort Actually, okay, so actually I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Yes, you can. That is called a third-party supplement, and you just have to get it approved by your uh, GM first. Okay. But, I mean, technically, yeah, you can write third-party supplements. There's a thing called uh, Pathfinder Infinite, where you can actually make some money off of that stuff, too. Oh, I I really just meant, like, in character, like, if I want that to be my shtick is, like, I whip open and I just point at a random one. Yeah. And I'm like, I choose you. As much as you you like the sound of that, you cannot do that with your Edelon. I will say that straight away. You cannot do that with your Edelon. Once you kind of pick your Edelon, like, you can change it, but it's like changing a feat, like retraining feats and stuff. Like, you're kind of stuck with whatever it is that you picked. Okay. Okay. So you don't get like, if I had designed the summoner, I would have a bag of monster parts and you reach in and you dig around and you build your Edelon out of monster parts. It's not quite like that in game terms. It's not like the familiar. So a familiar, you can assign abilities to it. No, you pick a type of Edelon, and then it comes pre-abilitied. Words are hard. <laughs> Correct. Pre-trained? Uh, yeah, so it has three abilities that you can't pick. It just, it gets, at this level, it gets this ability. At this level, it gets that ability. That's it. So you can't just have a in-game book of boys that you just pick. Not for your Edelon. Now, for your summon monster, you kind of can. But again, it's predetermined. You flip through your coloring book and say, I want that one. Versus, you know, designing a monster whole cloth. Okay. This has been a little convoluted. I've tried to keep it... (laughs) <laughs> Guys, I really did try to organize this whole episode into what I thought made sense. 
it it did not work. But and we've been trying to ruin that for you. So oh well, act. yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty normal. Yeah, I will say there is a like when I was talking about the lost and altered actions earlier, and when I was talking about how damage happens there's like these whole sections of what i call of what if scenarios it's like all right what if you and your edelon both get hit by this this is what happens and you both get petrified this is what happens uh and the very last sentence in those like what if sections is the gm resolves any situation that is unclear (laughs) and i just i get that Mwahaha <laughs> face whenever I read that. Uh, cause that just to me gives me way too much power. <laughs> I've alluded to it long enough. Let's talk about Edelons. Eidolons? Or Eidolons. Eidolons? Eidolons? Yeah, however you want to say. Ed, do- ed <laughs> Dolphins. Dolphins. Ed Dolphins. Yes. Let's talk about Ed Dolphins. Uh, of course, they have their own section of rules. So again, unlike animal companions, they don't have the minion trait. Uh, you don't have to direct them. They they are spiritually tied to you. So they work a little bit different. And your Edelon is where you get your casting ability. Therefore, you can pick an Edelon that is Arcane, Divine, Occult, or Primal. And each one of those are made from some sort of essence. So when we get into the types, right? Like Arcane Edelons are made of mental essence, right? Which is just fancy speak of being like, they brain-oriented. Divine and occult are both spiritual essences, but they take on uh, different appearances, right? So divine Edelons uh, resemble uh, divine servitors and actually look like angels or or demons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can actually... Cool. You can actually pick a demon... Edelon. Hmm. Uh, but you have to be evil to do so. I mean, good thing we're playing that campaign right now, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. A cult kind of reminds me of the spiritualist from Pathfinder 1. Anybody? Yeah, no. no. Uh, nope. <laughs> the spiritualist was a... Yeah, pretty much was a class in the I think it was the Occult Adventures book uh and it the spiritualist in the actual book was like this old woman and who who could summon the ghost of her dead husband <laughs> if that and just so so cool I don't know what is I think I might murder my husband and try to summon him did you say that while looking um. directly at him <laughs> I wish I really wish I had. But also, if my husband dies in the next two weeks, wasn't me. 
Well, we do have recording of you now, like saying <clears> that. <throat> yeah, there's intent. Nope. Anyway, and then finally, primal etalons manifest as life energy. And so those are like beasts, plants, fae, stuff like that. Normal stuff. Exactly. They have their own ability scores. And they get uh, ability increase at the same time you do. Now, unlike a player character, you don't get to pick their ability scores. You get, like, two options. So it's usually, like, the strength option and the dex option. (laughs) I I think they're called arrays, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they're called arrays. So each one will have, like, so looking at the angel, Edelon, there's the avenger and the emissary. And one's a strength-based, one's a dex-based. So, and a f- uh, like a few different changes to that, too. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, they're unarmed attacks. So you have a primary attack that you can build with a couple of different options. And then a secondary attack, which usually has uh, the, or not usually, has the agile and finesse traits. So, it is kind of like building your own monster, but is much more constrained. Edelons can't innately cast spells, but sometimes if you have like a link spell, uh, which is the focus spells for summoners, your Edelon will share that focus pool with you. But they can't refocus. So, you know, when your uh, group is refocusing and you're, you know, your bard's sitting there playing on his guitar and uh, your fighter is, like, screaming at a tree that she, you know, is trying to punch and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, you can't mm-hmm. just send your Edelon over to do that for you. You have to do it. So, there's that. Already talked about their saving throws, which are the same as yours. So expert fortitude, train and reflex. They share skill proficiencies. Uh, their arm- unarmored defense and their unarmed attacks get better than yours. So again, your Edelon will get expert, never legendary, but expert armor. But uh, you never get master. Let's talk really quick about the Fey Edelon. So the Fey Edelon, the, the specific uh, Edelon that that is, can cast spells, but they are specific. So looking at the Fey Edelon, they get an ability called Gift Spells. So. Your Edelon expends magic, allowing both of you to add additional spells to your repertoire. And then your Edelon gains the magic magical understudy feat, uh, which allows it, it to cast spells. But its spell list is different than yours. So when you take that feat, so you can take that feat additionally, but Faye get it for free. They learn two cantrips, but they don't share your spell book, so they can't share your spells. 
that make sense? Everything with the summoner is convoluted. <laughs> That's not true either. It's not that it's convoluted. It's that, again, you have to learn the rules so that you can break them. So ev every rule has an exception that proves the rule. That's what it is. There we go. We got there. All right. Anyway, so Edelons can't cast spells except when they can. When sense. you... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying that makes sense. It does, but also, like... Ugh. Explaining the summoner is hard. Or at least I have found it very difficult. Uh, they're fun, but it's kind of weird. So, you, whenever you pick your type of Edelon, you, get, you still get to design it, right? So say I pick the Fae. I get to say what that fae looks like. So I get to say, you know, is it a small creature? Is it a medium creature? What kind of attacks does it get? Does it have a little needle uh, that it uses as a sword? Or does it hit things uh, with its fists? But then there's other things that it just gets automatically, right? So, you know, it needs to still look kind of fey inspired it speaks sylvan it gets low light vision and its uh speed is set and additionally it gets that gift spells like i was telling you where essentially it makes your spell casting better and then it can spell cast but then at seventh level it gets something called fey mischief where it gets a, a, another feat and then at 17th level, it gets Fae Chicanery, which is such a cool named spell or, or uh, ability. So you have this Fae who are going to get those three abilities no matter what. Now, you can take evolutions to, to make your Fae, you know, do different things. But... It only gets those three abilities, uh, which they are called Initial, Symbiosis, and Transcendence are the name of those. So you get your, whatever the Symbiosis ability is, you get that at 7th level, and then whatever the Transcendence ability is, you get that at 17th. Now, if you remember when we talked about Familiars, Familiars, you get, like, what I called earlier, what was it? A, a bag of monster parts. And you just picked what monster parts you wanted. And it just doesn't work like that for Edelons. For ill or for betterment, I don't know, but eh. So with the different types of Edelons, we've we've mentioned a couple of them, right? We've talked about the Fae. We talked about the Divine. So Fae gives you primal smell casting, by the way. Uh, and all of them will mention a home plane, and that's where they go when they're not manifested. So when your Edelon dies, it just goes back to its home plane and is, like, hanging out with its mom in its basement. And mom's like, why don't you visit so much anymore? That kind of thing. And then we teleport them back to our plane just in the nick of time so they don't have to answer those questions. Exactly. Um, oh mom was just making a nice meatloaf. Now I gotta go back and fight more. Okay. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, 
But I did want to talk about dragons. Uh, because the dragon Edelon, in my opinion, I, I just have to put this out there. My opinion, I'm not claiming that it's the only opinion out there, but the dragon Edelon is dumb. <laughs> So, Are we talking me, about the, the one that's like drawn up in there? So, because you can't have an actual dragon, right? Because dragons are of the material plane. So, there's no like summoning them from another plane of existence, right? Uh, mm. And because of this like s- spiritual connection, or, or, or excuse me, arcane connection, that's the tradition they are, you're not actually summoning a dragon. Quote, because dragons have a strong connection to magic, their minds can often leave an echo floating through the astral plane. Such an entity is extremely powerful, but unable to interact with the outside world of its own. Dragon Adelons manifest in these powerful scaled forms that they had in life that are the form of true dragons, albeit smaller but aren't dragons, end quote, but aren't dragons. No, if, if, if they aren't from the uh, dragon region of whatever, <laughs> they're just sparkling drakes. They are echoes You're of so dragons' close, minds. Almost there. So close. If they're not from the dragon region, they're just sparkling lizards. Yep. I don't care how lame the description is. It just said... That I could get a tiny dragon. I could get a small smog. And that's all uh, that I want. I mean, it's medium sized. That's fine by me. That's all that I want. Medium sized is small compared to like a real dragon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair. That is that is a fair point. But yeah, no no no. You you literally it is a <laughs> it is an echo of a dragon's mind that is floating through the astral plane. And I'm sorry, but that's dumb. <laughs> Wait, if it's an echo of a dragon's mind, are we actually just going to see a brain? And that's just, <laughs> we just see a floating brain. I was promised a dragon, an echo dragon. I got a brain. I'll be honest, that, that would be terrible. <laughs> Uh, because they still get a breath weapon, and so it'd be this brain that all of a sudden summons a mouth, and then just, like, spit oh. acid at you. Oh, no. I'm I'm just waiting to get, like, the existential crisis brain print of a dragon. Like, you're <laughs> getting the echo of a dragon who's currently having an existential crisis, and it's just <laughs> absolutely useless. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, geez, that's really funny. But yeah, I just, I just can't. And it's not like they can fly until like level 17. I I think it's sooner than that. I think it's like level 10. I, I'm, now I gotta go look it up. <laughs> You're the one who brought it up. <laughs> I know. I gotta go look at Evolution Surge, which we'll talk about in a second. Evolution surge, heighten at fifth level, ma- means you have a fly speed. So level nine. 
Yeah, well, that's not not as, not as bad as I said, but yeah. still, you can't fly. So you have a dragon Edelon that's just sitting there with his little fat butt on the ground, walking around like a dog. But Her hey, brain. Beth, if you've got a dragon, a medium-sized dragon that acts like a dog, are you going to tell me you're not going to be happy? I mean, I will definitely be happy. The yeah. iconic. This is just how to train class. your dragon at this point. Oh, I love it. Except yep. they can't I'm fly. Except they can't fly. Except they can't fly. Yeah, actually, the iconic for this uh, class has a, like a fairy dragon as her uh, Edelon. Also, the iconic for this class is a, a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually... I really like them. She's she's great. Ija has a her dragon Edelon is named Tuku and is adorable. Like honestly adorable. But it can't fly not until she's level 9 and she still has to then cast uh I mean unless you take a feat, an evolution feat obviously. But it, she would have to cast a spell to get it to fly. So it's just this dragon walking around being like, sup? How you? I mean, that's worth it. I'd still like to have just a dragon walking around with me. Personally, I think the plant Edelon is the best. And this is where we get, in my opinion, the best character concept ever. That is a summoner who has uh, taken a, a dedication so that it can get a familiar. So archetype, uh, familiar. Uh, what's the name of that archetype? It's like familiar master. Familiar master. Thank you. I could not remember the name of it. Anyway, you take familiar master. Get a leshy familiar. You yourself are a leshy PC. And then you summon a plant Edelon that looks like a Leshy. You're three Leshies in a trench coat. Oh, yes. Beth. We got there. That's what I want. Beth, no. I just, I just imagine, like, you know, you, you're, you're all meeting in a tavern, right, for the first time. You're going on an adventure for the first time, and it's... A guy in a trench coat, like that huge handlebar mustache and the huge sunglasses and a hat. And like, he's very misshapen. And you're just like, that guy looks weird. And then you get in your very first combat and boom, three leshies. Just me? Yeah, probably just me. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm really into this idea. It's just, why have you done this to us now, Beth? Now all of us are going to want to do that. And it's going to be like, all, we're all going to make summoners for our next campaign. We're all going to be doing the oh, exact same no. thing. They just going to have 12 leshies on the field. That's, yeah. that's all it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Now, I am not saying this is optimal because, again, uh, you'd have to deal with familiar rules. But So just, you know, be aware of that. But still, three leshies in a trench coat. That's That's how they're able to order beer. They have a little ID card that says they're 21. They definitely are 21. If you add them together, maybe. (laughs) Probably not. I don't know Uh, if they want beer, though. They're they're plant-based. 
I probably want water with a little hey, bit of sugar. Hop- nah, hops are good for them. They're just oh, three lashes trying to make it in the big city. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, geez. That's so funny. Uh, but anyway, I, also, I like the plant. The plant. Edelon. Edelon. Uh, <laughs> uh, you get reach, which reach is always good. Uh, and then if you later pick up a feat that gives them opportunity attacks, reach with opportunity attacks? Yes, please. Yes, please. And your players won't see it coming. I said players. Your GM won't see it coming. <laughs> because opportunity attacks aren't a thing in, as much anymore, right? Because we don't, and not all classes get them. And so all of a sudden, you know, a creature's running away and you're like, no, whip. Get back here. You full. What's the name of that video? Gosh, dang it. Scorpion. Yeah, I'm a oh, cool kid. Wow. Get over here. There you go. Get yeah, over yeah. here. I'm smart. Anyway, uh, <laughs> at level seven, all of your attacks get the reach trait. And then at 17, you get Field of Roots, which allows you to uh, entangle nearby enemies, which is pretty great. So the plant Edelon is one of my favorites. Although the construct one is good too. And as so, a benefit, you can make it look like Bulbasaur. Yes. Yes, you can. Well, so yes, it would look like Bulbasaur, but that's a small creature and it needs to be a medium creature. It'd be Ivysaur. Yeah, I was going to say it can look like Ivysaur. Say that 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 Bulbasaur grows up to be a nice, uh, nice beefy cabbage boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, so yeah, that's the plant Edelon is one of my favorites. I think it has the most uh, potential. Uh, but I mean, the Psychopomp Edelon is also really cool. Uh, that'll give you the divine. So, side note, we I, and I've mentioned it before, the divine list is fine it has potential just less versatility than the others but it's fine but the psychopomp is cool and having a uh, a raven with the uh skull of a dead creature as a face walking around with you is cool yeah yeah that is kind of cool also, you can have a demon, but you have to be evil. Chaotic evil, specifically. I'm into being chaotic and evil, so. <laughs> I mean, well, unfortunately for you, you can't play Pathfinder Society. can't be evil in Pathfinder Society. Really? Yep. Not with that attitude. <laughs> True. Uh, so normally, at this point, we'd be like... All right, on to feats. Nope. No, guys. We still have yet to talk about a, f- a whole feature of this class, spell casting. I told you. This is... It's, it, it's a fun class, but it's got a lot going on. So, spell casting. They're spontaneous spell casters, so you don't got any uh, material components. But it's not like a normal spellcaster. I mentioned this earlier in the episode. It has something called wave casting. 
the wave the way wave casting works is at level five, right? So at level one, you get your first level spell and cantrips, of course. Uh, at level three, you get your second level spell. Well, at five, when you would get your third level spell, you do. You actually get two of them, but you lose your first level spell. What? So you can only ever cast two levels of spells. And as you level up, you lose the lower levels of spells and gain the higher levels. Have I blown your mind? Breaks my mind a little bit, yeah. And that is called wave casting. So that is how we are doing half casters in Pathfinder 2, is this wave casting. It also means that you only ever have, unless you take feats or, you know, Unless you break the rules, you only ever have four spells. Jeez. Again, excluding cantrips. Because when you lose those lower level spells, you gain higher level spells. Now, one of the cool things about Summoner, or at least I think it's cool, is that level three, you get something other casters get this too, but you get signature spells, right? When you're a spontaneous caster, you pick one spell per level, and that spell becomes a special spell that auto-heightens. Bards get that. Uh, sorcerers get that. Well, Summoner, since you only ever have, that, that would only ever be two spells. Right? One per level. So instead, nah, all of your spells are signature spells. All of your spells auto-heighten. If all of your spells are special, then are any of them really special? Yes. Yeah. No, they are. Absolutely. Okay. They're okay. still special. Sorry, I, I'm reading that right here. Okay, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it is, to me, one of the coolest things about it. Because... They auto heighten, so so you're always casting these spells at the best of their ability, always. And you don't have to, you know, if you have say telekinetic projectile, which heightens, I think every level. I could be wrong on that. Uh, you wouldn't have to take that at both third level and fourth level. Actually, I think telekinetic projectile is a cantrip, but you get the idea, right? You uh, wouldn't have to take it every level. Because all of your spells auto-heighten no matter what. Which makes all four of your spells unique and really cool. So it kind of makes up for the fact that you only ever get four spells. Your four slots of fireball are as large as a fireball you can make. Right, but you would never take fireball four times. Because you would know. take three other fireball and three other spells. But now, fireball. Do you need any other spell? I mean, fireball can solve a lot of problems. It really can. I can also create a lot of problems, which can be solved by another fucking. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, David. We're a mess. So then we we've talked about normal spell casting. So then we have to talk about uh, focus spells, right? So 
focus spells for the summoner are called link spells. And you automatically get two. You get a normal or, or a base focus spell, and then you get a base cantrip. Uh, a base link cantrip. So, reminder that anytime you're talking about focus spells, if it's a focus spell cantrip, it doesn't cost focus points. But a regular focus spell, or in this case, a link spell, does cost focus points. So, the two base spells that you automatically get are actually kind of cool. uh, Because, again, they buff your Edelon. So, you've got uh, Evolution Surge, targets your Edelon, and can give them some sort of evolution. So... You can give them low light vision if they don't have it. You can give them scent. Uh, You could make them breathe underwater. Uh, You could give them a 20-foot status bonus to their speed, which is pretty good. Uh, And then again, that auto heightens. So at third level, your Edelon can become large. And these evolutions last for a full minute. So it's just like any other spell. Uh, It casts... uh, two actions but then you know it gains a climb speed or it becomes a large creature and gets a bonus you know something like that at uh ninth level you can allow it to fly whatever type of evolution you want right and that lasts for 10 rounds uh which is pretty great and then the other one, so your base cantrip, is boost Edelon. Now, this one, to me, is a little less over... Uh, it, it, it's underwhelming. It gives you a plus two status bonus to damage rolls with unarmed attacks. That's it. However, it is a cantrip, so it doesn't cost anything, and it only costs one action. However, it only lasts a round. So you would have to do that every round. Not my favorite, but it's fine. It's it's fun. Fine. Seems a little clunky. I, yeah, I tend to agree with you. I also think that there's a lot other things you can do with that one action. But you know what? If it's the end of your turn, you've got, you know, an extra action. You're like, I don't know what to do with it. Cast boost Edelon. But... Meh. It's fine. So, we're now at the point, right, where we've talked uh, pretty much all of the class features. Uh, there's a couple more, so you get Edelon boosts, evolution, uh, evolutions, so your Edelon keeps getting better and better, and then uh, like they get boosts to their ability scores and all that, and then your capstone ability, uh, you can actually summon your uh, Edelon as a single action. So if you end up taking feats that you can sacrifice your Edelon for like a bonus to your AC or something, uh, you can then summon it as one action. And that's pretty cool. Uh, as a capstone ability, again, I think it's a little underwhelming, but it's definitely something you can build towards that makes it very useful. But at level 19, you guys are essentially demigods anyway, so it's kind of like Eh. Meh. Okay. 
So I've talked about how amazing Edelons are. I've talked about this really cool spell casting, right? That you guys, uh, that you get. There's gotta be a downside, right? Yeah, there definitely is. I'm not buying it. You'll notice. <laughs> yeah, well, I definitely am buying it. Because to me, it's a big downside. The capstone ability for most casters is a level 10 spell slot. Mm-hmm. You don't get that. What? Ever. Yeah. No level 10 spells. This is some baloney. You also don't get legendary casting. Which means your DCs are only ever going to be at uh, Master. You're never going to get legendary proficiency with your spellcasting. And to me, that's a big downside. But mostly because of a certain spell. So in Secrets of Magic, the book that the summoner is in, by the way, this, to me, the fact that summoners cannot cast this spell is disrespectful. A level 10 spell called Summon Kaiju. You're telling me that I cannot summon even a kaiju, much less a daikaiju. Yeah, no, you absolutely cannot. What about the echo brain of a kaiju? No. <laughs> nope. Dang it. Yeah. The class called the summoner cannot summon the best creature. They cannot cast the best summon spell in the game. What is even the point? I, I have a problem with that. The fact that as a summoner, I cannot summon a kaiju is upsetting. And I took psychic damage when I found this out. <laughs> That's terrible. By the way, you guys have to look at the summon kaiju uh, spell. It's really cool. So, like, they have specific kaiju that you summon. So, like, you can summon a Gyra, the Forever Storm, or Vorgozin, the Shapeless Feeder. My personal favorite, Yarthun, the moon grub. <laughs> He's a moon grub. <laughs> He's just grubbing. He's just grubbing. He's a little baby. Uh, I like Beshira, a Beshira, something like that. The winged razor. Incredible. That sounds dangerous. Yeah, probably. But worth it. Oh, oh, wait, except summoners can't cast that. Mm. Eh. <laughs> I, I, it's the worst. It is, to me, it, it, it is offensive. <laughs> it's not really, but, uh, yeah, so you never get a 10th level spell slot. You don't get legendary casting. And that does make me sad. So finally, all that money spent at summoning school, and you still can't summon a kaiju. Hmm? That was a point. Yeah. No, absolutely. Now you're years of debt uh, in debt, and you can't summon a kaiju. Your your mom's disappointed. Forget my mom. I'm disappointed. Yeah, that's that's very fair too. So, 
that leads us now to feats. And of course, because it's the summoner, we have a caveat. There are two types of summoner feats. <laughs> Incredible. We're doing great so far. I love the summoner, but this is crazy. You have normal feats, and you have evolution feats. So, uh, I think it's at level one, you get an evolution feat for free. It's just like an extra feat. Yeah, it's level one. You just get an evolution feat for free. So, any feat that has the evolution tag buffs your Edelon automatically, right? Like, it, you know, by taking this feat, you're not, you are not getting very many benefits. Your Edelon is getting benefits. And then you have just normal summoner feats. And some of those are also Edelon feats, by the way, that only affect your Edelon. And then others of those affect you. If, did any of you ever play, it was a, a board game that came out, I don't know, like, 10 years ago, maybe, uh, called King of Tokyo. Did any of you ever play that? It was a dice game? I played it. Yeah. Nope. I feel like I've heard of it. It was very popular. It's one of my favorite board games. Uh, and you would get, as one of the expansions, you got these evolution cards, and they like changed the different abilities of your game. This is exactly like that. You take a feat, and depending on uh, the feat, you get you know, flying, or you get those evolution surges that I was talking about, you can make those permanent. So, yeah. Evolution feats pretty good. Like, one of my favorite evolution feats is uh, pushing attack, which you think, oh yeah, that's fine. But all I can think about is, like, you're fighting on a cliff and you just push them off the edge. Yes. You're just like, hey, you're going to take a long walk of a short pier, buddy. Uh, but anyway, yeah, you get the, uh, the shove trait, which is cool. Again, you can... First, you start with a glider form where your, your uh, Edelon can glide has wings but you know can't really do too much with them and like essentially you can kind of take a couple actions to fly but then by the end of your turn you have to be on the ground but then at uh level 14 you get airborne form where you just permanently fly you get a fly speed so that's cool but then in terms of regular feats there are a lot more that i think are Cool. So, one of the ones that I really like is a uh, protective bond. So, with protective bond, it gives you a reaction. So, this is a level 10 feat. And this protects both of you from damage. So, earlier I said you could take a feat where you would only take like the lesser half. This is that feat. So you and your, if you and your Edelon would take a different amount of damage from an area of effect, you take the lower amount instead of the greater amount. What that means is, you both roll your reflex save, your Edelon does better than you, and now you're only taking half damage because of it. Love it. The other feat that I really like is a level 6 feat called Tandem Strike. 
So again, has that tandem trait that I was talking about. This feat is specific for you want a melee build. So essentially, take two actions, and you and your Edelon both make strikes against those creatures. But they don't have multiple attack penalty until the end of your turn. So they count towards multiple attack. It's like twin takedown. There's like a couple other feats that it's similar to. But it's you and your Edelon. So like you, you get that flank bonus too. And then the last regular summoner feat that I want to talk about really changes the way that the summoner is played. So earlier, in this case, much earlier, when I was talking about the Pathfinder 1 summoner, I was talking about actual summoned creatures. So there are actually feats that you can take that boost summoned creatures. So at level 8, you get boost summons, where augmenting your Edelon extends to the creatures you summon. So when you cast boost Edelon, it also targets all of your summoned creatures. So if you have, you know, say you have two summoned creatures out and you're directing them and you're telling your Edelon what to do, that's where this uh, action economy can start to get a little wild. So in those fights that you know are going to be long ones, it's not worth setting up if it's going to be a short fight. But if you build for it, this can be a powerful build where you start summoning multiple creatures and boosting all of them. So, that's kind of cool. Uh, any other feats that you guys want to mention? Uh, yeah, I found a, a pair of them, and I don't want to rain on parades, but I think I think this allows you to get that 10th level spell, kind of. Kind of. What is it? So, the feats are Master Summoner and Legendary Summoner. Ooh. Now, Master Summoner, it's, it's a 6th level feat, and it lets you take one of your limited number of spell slots and turn it into two summoning specific spell slots of the same level. Yeah. I, I remember uh, reading about that one. And that, but and then there's a one to follow that up, which is one of the level 20 feats of Legendary Summoner. Which uh, which when, when you use the Master Summoner on a ninth level spell slot, you can use those slots to summon spells heightened to the 10th level. Now, I'm curious about that. Does that mean that you can cast a 10th level spell slot? Or is it like, you know, an 8th or ninth level spell that you can heighten once to 10th level? Yeah, because it does say cast summoning spells heightened to 10th level. You cannot use these spell slots for any other purpose than casting the summoning spells, and you don't count as having a 10th level spell slot. I would say, as a GM, you can cut, you, you could summon a kaiju. 
but I think that is a house rule. I think rules as written, you can use those slots to cast summoning spells heightened to 10th level. Yep. You do not have a 10th level spot, so you still can't summon a kaiju. However, you can summon a giant that is heightened to that level 10. So, like, summon giant, there's a heightened version that's all the way to level 10, so it's like a super cool giant. <laughs> um, you could use that. It gets a nice, uh, stylish pair of shades. Heck yes. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and it gets some magical abilities and stuff like that. But I still would say, even with this feat, again, I would house rule it. But I, I think rules as written, you cannot summon a kaiju. Still no kaiju. All right. Yeah. But I had not seen this yet. So thank you, David. Mm-hmm. I, I had not read as much reading as I had done in the last two weeks. Didn't read that one. But yeah, still mad. But man, you got to take you got to take two feats to be able to get to that. And normal casters get it as a class feature. Yeah, I, I was thinking mm. the normal casters have the 20th level feat to get like an extra 10th level spell slot. Correct. Yeah, because they automatically get one, and then you can take a feat to get a second one. This is, you only can ever get one. You can only ever kind of get one. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Because again, I, I still don't, because it says heightened to level 10. And the summoned kaiju is in Secrets of Magic, so we can't say that they didn't know about it. They, you know, it was in the same book. Hmm. I have thoughts. Mm-hmm. So, for spells, we kind of already went through all the different spells that are in Secrets of Magic. The only ones that I uh, really wanted to bring out are things that are summoner specific. Uh, so that would be spells like rapid adaptation. So it is a touch spell. So do keep that in mind that gives your Edelon or uh, companion. So this would work for animal companions too, uh, some sort of additional benefit. So whatever environment you're in it would now this does not have the evolution trait uh, but it would essentially evolve to that environment so for an arctic environment they're not affected by extreme cold or in a forest environment they get a scent ability if an underground environment they get dark vision and it lasts for an hour where you're like uh Evolution Surge would only last a minute. So that's a spell that both druids, uh, rangers that have companions, and summoners could benefit from. So that one's kind of cool. Next, there's a, a second level spell called Summoner's Visage. Now, this does not have the summoner trait. So anybody can cast this spell. But it targets your Edelon. So you have to have the Edelon class feature. You transform into your Edelon's identical twin. So my thought process is, this is where I can get the benefits of being, say, 
a human, but then I cast this spell all the time, and that's how I get to be three leshies in a trench coat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you brought it back. Uh, of course I did. Good job. Good job. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry, I'm not done with it yet. <laughs> and uh, you can heighten that to fourth level, which increases the duration to an hour. So yeah. you can be four leshies in a trench coat for an hour. Now, obviously, being a leshy would be the more stable version of that. But sometimes you've, you know, you're born a certain way. And you can't change that. Couldn't you already fit into a trench coat and go get your beer without having to be four legs in a trench coat? (laughs) Don't don't try to bring logic into this. (laughs) Maybe you're a child. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. Oh my gosh, I freaking love it. They're always they're always looking for underage children trying to sneak in and get a beer. They're not always looking for leshies. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or humans turned into leshies. Very smart. I see. Uh, so the last spell that I want to mention that is Edelon or Familiar. So again, this is something that not just summoners can cast. Uh, it's called Timely Tutor. It's a level two spell. You serve as an astral connection between your Edelon or Familiar and the Akashic Record, a demiplane consisting of a comprehensive psychic library. So this allows you to add your spellcasting ability modifier to recall knowledge checks, which is kind of cool. But the only reason that I bring this up, because, like, it's fine. It's a level two spell. Like, I'm sure it's very situational. But do you guys remember uh, in Avatar The Last Airbender, when they go to the desert and they go to that mm-hmm. library with that owl? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's this spell. Right? You just mentally teleport to that special library. And yeah, you're Avatar the Last Airbender now. That seems like a stretch, but yes, okay. <laughs> it just allows you, like, it's sustained for up to a minute. It allows you to do, like, a quick research, being like, hmm, when is the uh, day of no su- of black sun again? And then, oh, right, that's when it was. Oh, right. And then you can, right. you can plan your attack on the Fire Nation. Okay. Yeah, we're going to say that that makes logical sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> oh, geez. Look, I have to pick uh, some kind of reference that shows you guys what kind of weeb I am. Just how it is. I mean, we all understood the reference, if that's what you're getting at. <laughs> true, true. Fair so... enough. <laughs> yeah. I am in good company, is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for All when right. it comes to that angel summoner and thing you were talking about. <laughs> hey, hey, don't worry. I will find that video. I, I'm telling you, it's from like the early... Anyway, moving on. 
So next, so we've talked about feats, we've talked about spells, we've talked about class features. Next is ancestry options that I think fit really good with Summer. Obviously, it's going to, you know, depend on what kind of summoner you're building, right? Like, if you're really hell-bent on making a melee uh, summoner, I'm not going to say it's a great idea, but you can do it. Uh, that's going to, there's a different ancestry choice that you might make. I think anything with a charisma boost is going to be the ideal choice. So for me, I I think a, a Kitsune or a Gnome would be my, my top two choices. But, and I, I know David is going to bring this up, versatile human is always going to be a good fit. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can, you can always throw one of your uh, free boosts into charisma. Exactly. Exactly. Why aren't goblins in this list? Goodness gracious. <laughs> I mean, there's only one logical choice. And it's to always play a goblin. No, no, it's Leshy. So that you could be three Leshies in a trench coat. How did I forget Lesh? Exactly! <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Come on! Oh my gosh. Uh, that to me, that's that's the only one. But like, goblin's not a bad choice. I think that anytime you're picking a caster with goblin, you're sort of subverting expectations, right? Because we're, we're still dealing with a Galarian that isn't necessarily used to goblins being uh, complicated casters, right? And uh. I think anytime you ha you can subvert those expectations, it's a good thing. Uh, but with that being said, goblins wouldn't be my choice. Wouldn't be top of the list. But they get a charisma boost. So they're not a terrible choice. Because you get, what, dexterity, charisma... I mean, that's going to boost your AC because you're a unarmored person, uh, unarmored PC, and you get charisma bonus. You know what? I take it back. Uh, goblin, second best ancestry for... Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I was being dumb. Definitely. You know what? Goblin. I Two you. leshies and a goblin in a trench coat. Yes. Ooh. Tempting. See, it, they, he's trying to look like a hobgoblin, you know? <laughs> okay, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, he, he's impersonating a hobgoblin, but actually it's a goblin and two leshies in a trench yeah. coat. Yeah, okay. <laughs> totally on board. <laughs> gonna, I was going to say, whoever whoever's on the top, that, that that's your weakest link. Like, he... It, it's it's a little <laughs> difficult. You better have a really, really big mustache. <laughs> no. Well, yes. But also, you need the highest charisma. So it needs to be the summoner on uh, needs to be the one on top. That's your face, right? You got charisma. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Obviously. 
look, I've put a lot of thought into that, which we'll make very clear shortly. Also, David, no matter what, yes, you darn well better have the biggest mustache ever. I don't care who you are. Get the giantest, fakest mustache you possibly can. Absolutely. Or better yet, use an actual caterpillar. Ooh, yes. I love it. Are we causing you actual pain, Sarah? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> That's I've good, heard I love this. Oh, geez. All right. So, any other ancestries we want to bring up? What was cool. that ancestry that looked like little little dogs? I forgot about them. Chuni. There we go. And it's uh, another small race, right? Boom. Yeah, it is another small race. And that'd be Our adorable ancestry. to have that one at the top of the trench coat. Just uh yes. Razor. But also weird. <laughs> uh hey, you know what? Shuni's not a bad option. Dex and Charisma again. Did it. But oh, I will say Shuni not best option. Ability flaw, constitution. And when you've got shared oh, yeah. HP, mm, you know what? Still gonna be a good choice. You just Do build you know hard on that Exactly. You just you just put all of your free boosts into Constitution. Oh, geez. Yeah. Shuni would be a good one, too. So let's... We, we've talked about the Summoner as a class. The last thing we have to talk about is the Summoner as a dedication. So, dedication... Right? When we're talking... That's Pathfinder 2's multi-class uh, ability. I'm honestly, honest to goodness, not sure why you would do this. <laughs> there was only one scenario, or excuse me, two scenarios that I would would take a summoner dedication because you you ha have to take the base dedication and then two more feeds before you can take any other dedication. Right? That's how most dedications work. And you pretty much get a Edelon. Like, that's the whole... For the summoner dedication is all focused on the Edelon. But you don't get act together. So you don't get that extra action economy. So the only scenario that I thought, okay, taking the summoner dedication actually makes sense is if you're really focused on flanking and you really want that extra flank always, right? Because then you would always have your Edelon to flank with you. So if you're a flank-heavy build, you could take this dedication to always have a flanking buddy. And then... You could be the Pokemon master. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you'd have to pretty much, I think you'd, the soonest you could do this is level 9, possibly level 10. I don't think any sooner. And you would have to use the free archetype variant rule. So, you would pick Ancestry Human, obviously, right? But you'd have to be a child named Ash. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then... 
the the class, you would have to be an animal druid. So that gives you an animal companion. Right? And so that would be Pikachu. And then uh, your free archetype that you get as the variant rule would be Familiar Master. So then you get, like, a fairy dragon to be your other Pokemon, right? And then uh, once you you had to take, you know, two more feats at that archetype, as a regular dedication, you would take Summoner. That would be your multi-class feat, which would give you an Edelon, right? So now you have, and then you summon more creatures. Now, mind you, <laughs> the, the, the action economy on this is dumb, because for every, all of your minions, you would have to direct your minions, which again is sacrificing one of your actions so that they would have two. So <laughs> every round, you'd have to be like, Pikachu, Jolt, Eevee, Cat, uh, Eevee, use tackle like you'd have to give them their moves well th- yeah but that's sh- that's also what it, what happens in pokemon yeah right yeah yeah that's, that's how you would play a pokemon pa- pokemon master no no that's <laughs> pokemon master, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i had a lot of fun kind of building that one out or and this is a bit of a stretch. You could be four leshies in a trench coat. So it would be exactly the same. <laughs> Not just three. <laughs> be four. So for the Edelon, you would have to take... Uh, or not the Edelon. The Edelon easily is a, a leshy. Familiar, again, easy leshy. Your ancestry would be leshy. The only issue is the druid. And so the druid, you would have to take the arboreal sapling. Which is technically different than a leshy, but is leshy enough where you're four leshies in a trench coat. I dig it. You could, maybe this messes up another part of it, but you could do the uh, leaf druid, and they get a leshy familiar. Boom. Yeah, but is it a familiar or is it a companion? It's a familiar. So, mm, then you uh, couldn't take familiar master, so you'd have mm, to get. Ooh, I wonder if you could take the ranger archetype. Then no, because you can't. I think I don't think you can have two multi-class archetypes. Yeah, because you would have to. You'd still have to take the summoner, uh, to get the familiar. Mm, no, no, you can have two uh yeah, multi-class you can archetypes. Eventually, it just like you have to get a certain amount of feats in the first one to then be able to transition mm-hmm. to another one. Right, right, right. Yeah, and you'd have to take, let's see, where's the... Yeah, so you would take uh, the ranger dedication, and then you would take a uh, basic hunter's trick as your second feat, uh, which would then give you animal companion... And then you would take an arboreal sapling. <laughs> so yes, so you could do leaf familiar as well, or or leaf druid as well. Mm-hmm. Be such a mess of a character. Mm-hmm. But still, it still <laughs> works out as 
because the companion would still be an arboreal sapling. It has to be. Like, you can't, or at least I haven't found a way. If any of you guys have found a way to have an animal companion be an actual leshy, please let me know. Just let the GM override it. So it's like, yeah, sure. I mean, leshy. I probably would. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. Yeah. I probably would. Just so that I could have four leshies in a trench coat. You tell me you're going to do any of that trench coat stuff. I'm like, yeah, go for it. Why not? Oh my gosh. I love leshies so much. This is so funny to me. Like, this is not optimal at all. No. And yet it's still functional. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Mostly. That's a strong word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it can exist and be legal. It's a possibility. Exactly. Yep. Oh, it's an option. After, <laughs> it it it's an option. And so now after what I'm going to assume is 2 hours of an episode, oh boy. Mhm. Yeah. <laughs> That's the summoner, guys. We did it. Needlessly complicated? Mm, probably. Uh, <laughs> but I understand why they went this direction. I definitely understand why they went this direction. Why they made the action economy the way they did. They didn't want summons to be too powerful. And I get that. However, one... I would never allow a new player to play this class because it, I think it would turn them off of Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. I would, I wouldn't. Your laziest player, and I don't mean that in a negative way. You know, players are, you know, they're people. They got jobs. They got shit to do. You know, somebody who doesn't know the rules as much, I wouldn't let them play the summoner. I would say, look. Here's my concerns. Unless you've got time to read a bunch and understand all of these different interactions, I just think you'd be better off playing Bard. Or, you know, if you're really tied to picking your own tradition, Sorcerer. If you really like wave casting, Magus. That's what we'll be talking next episode about. I just think that when it comes down to the summoner, oof. That's my opinion. This is also probably one where, like, if the campaign is starting off at level, let's say, 11, maybe uh, don't take the summoner because you haven't had those other 10 levels to kind of progressively learn, learn the class. Mm-hmm. I, especially if you're not as comfortable with Pathfinder. Now, if you're somebody who, like me, is, you know, in three, excuse me, four games a week, lives and breathes Pathfinder, has a Pathfinder podcast uh, that she writes and spends many hours a week writing scripts for, you can handle it. (laughs) But let me tell you right now, I wouldn't do it, but mostly because... Like I said earlier, I don't like to mi- micromanage my players. I also don't really want to micromanage myself when I actually get to play. And when it comes down to like personal preference, 
whenever I finally get to play Pathfinder versus running Pathfinder, I really just want to be the chick with the biggest sword in the room. This is not a euphemism. Oh, no, definitely not. Uh, But I don't tend to gravitate towards what I call micromanage classes like the Sumner that just have a lot of fiddly bits. For me, I'm going to give it 7 out of 10 Beth points. Still very good, a very fun class, but has some issues. Lots of fiddly bits. And what do you guys think? I want to be a Pokemon master. It sounds <laughs> Chad, great. Chad wants to be the best. Like I no one ever was. The very best. Yeah, same. It 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 has that appeal to have your linked companion. But my gosh, you have to read and know a lot more than anyone else at the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely fair. It's uh, just a lot. It's a lot. Summoner. Worth giving it a shot. Not my favorite. Chad, why don't you take us out? Well, so those are your thoughts on the Summoner class. If you like the class or think maybe we missed something, please let us know. Also, if you have another preferred way to pronounce the Eatalulun, please let us know. <laughs> uh, but for now, I think that's about it. Uh, except I really kind of want to create uh, all of the Summoner possibilities. I want all the Odaloons. Beth, can I have a campaign where I just play multiple Summoners? No. I'm no... I am putting my foot down. I am only ever allowing one summoner per game because I cannot be bothered with all that fiddly stuff. (laughs) That would be so much to keep track of. But so many leshies. You know what? An (laughs) army of leshies does sound fun, but absolutely not. Alright, I don't have anything else more to say, so uh, dice don't die. But player characters do, because I'm going to chop down all those leshies. No! Bulbasaur! Thanks for listening to Dice Don't Die. Hey, if you like what we do, please visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dice Don't Die. Or email us at DiceDon'tDiePod at gmail.com. The intro and outro song, Crunk Night, were created by Kevin McLeod. More of his work, and the work of many others, can be found royalty-free at filmmusic.io. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next adventure.